the book of Psalm 100 is going to be uh, a text that we're going to be looking at here in a moment. I do want to make mention of a series that's going to be starting next Sunday. It is called A Season of Expectation. We are going to be entering the season after Thanksgiving back there. She likes to put her Christmas stuff up real early. But, uh, but, but this is, uh, we're going to start this season of expectation, and we're going to be thinking and looking into the, the birth of Jesus, uh, and it's a wonderful time of year. I always tell people that, um, especially those who deal with loss, those who struggle with anxiety and stress um, during the holiday season, it's really a beautiful thing to think about and to reflect upon is the coming of Jesus into the world. And what's great is, is as we look into this expectation of his coming, we also look to the expectation of his coming again. And so we're going we're gonna to look at, at hope, we're going to look at love and joy and peace, all of those things over the next four weeks. Invite people to come. Invite others to come and share uh, in what we're going to be doing here as well. But as I said, Thanksgiving's this week, so we got to hold back on the Christmas stuff a little bit, right? We got we to be thankful. Uh, there are two psychologists. One was by the name of Dr. Emmons, who was at the University of California, and Dr. McCullough, the University of Miami. And they did these studies on gratefulness. And so what they did is they took these groups and they gave them assignments uh, and to see the effects that it had upon these students. And so one group, they were to go through the week, and they were to write down everything that they were thankful for, everything good that happened to them throughout the week. The second group was to write down everything that irritated them. And then the third group, they were not given really an assignment either way. It could be positive or it could be negative. But the results of all of this was, was really interesting. And what they found is that the grateful group, they were more optimistic and they felt better about their lives than the other groups. They also exercised more and they, went to, they had fewer trips to the doctor in those 10 weeks that this study occurred than the other focus groups. It had a, a real effect on them in so many ways. There's another study that was done by a psychologist at the University of Pennsylvania. And he tested the impact of positive psychology, and he did all of these various tests. And one of the ones that he did, it was a week's assignment where they were to write and to personally thank someone who had not been properly thanked for their kindness in the past. And what they found was this instant happiness that overcame these students. In fact, what they learned was it had a greater impact than any of the other interventions that, that the class studied. And they also discovered that how it made them feel, this happiness that they felt, lasted up to a month. And so the importance of these studies is to show us that being thankful is, is positive, it's good, it's important in our lives. And sometimes we forget about that in our society. I mean, we live in a very fast-paced society. We're always looking for the next new thing that's going to make us happier. And we sometimes miss the blessings that are right before our eyes that, 
that are so important to us. And I think that's one of the reasons why Thanksgiving is such an important time of year. Because Thanksgiving is a time that forces us to stop for a little bit and to think. It doesn't mean it's the only day of the year we ought to be thankful. It's almost like, you know, getting our batteries charged in some sense. In fact, in 1789, it was George Washington who made a public proclamation. He says, whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of the Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, I humble, uh, humbly to employ His protection and favor, both houses of Congress. Tell me the last time that's happened, folks. Both houses of Congress are all on the same page. They have, by their joint committee, requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God. And he declared uh, on the day of, of uh, November 26th, on a Thursday, to be devoted to acknowledging, quote-unquote, the great and glorious being as the one who provides all that is good. I can't think of a better time in our country where we need to think about all the blessings that we have in our lives. You know, you think about and, uh, and everything that's been happening just over the last couple of years. The unrest, uh, the divisiveness, the chaos, the division. And yet we live in the greatest country in the world. I really believe that. We've got flaws. We've got flaws. But we still live in the greatest country in the world where we can practice any religion, we can speak freely, we can enjoy prosperity, we can get an education, we can work hard in order to get things that we want. Unfortunately, it's, it's easy to focus on the negative. And again, it doesn't mean that we don't have hardships. We all do. But there are so many things by which we can be thankful for that we sometimes miss. One man said, I'm thankful for taxes because it means I'm employed. He said, the clothes that fit a little too snug, I'm thankful for because it means that I'm well fed. I'm thankful for a lawn that needs mowing and windows that need washing and gutters that need cleaning because it means that I have a home. I'm thankful for piles of laundry because it means I have loved ones nearby. Kind of a unique perspective, isn't it? You know, we're in the list-making uh, time of year. Um, I know we've told our kids, look, send your Christmas list, you know. In fact, what my wife says is, send your Christmas list or your dad's going to pick out something for you. And, you know, it's like five minutes later we get a full list of things. But, um, but yeah, it's that time of year, and it's not going to be much longer that some of you, you're going to be making a list of all your New Year's resolutions, but what if we made a list of all the things that we're thankful for this week? Leading up to Thursday. And, and just every day we just write down, starting today, we just start writing down everything that we're thankful for, everything good that happened to us that day. And maybe what we'll decide to do is, you know what, I'm just going to start a journal. Just a journal of, of Thanksgiving. Because I realized, because of studies that I mentioned a moment ago, it really can have an effect on me. In so many different ways. And that brings us to Psalm 100. I want you to see Psalm 100. It's one of the most beautiful psalms of thanksgiving. It's one of my favorites. 
I know every time I do a psalm, I say it's one of my favorites, um, but they, <laughs> they really are. Um, but here's what's really cool about this is that it's not written to Israel only. As you go into it, you realize it's written, it's written to all nations, and it even goes to say all generations. So let's just read it together here in Psalm 100. He says, make a joyful noise to the Lord. That sounds like something we just sang. All the earth, serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Folks, our thankfulness is not based on how much we have. It's based upon a relationship that we have with the creator of all things. Did you notice in the text, in verse 1, we, we see it says, The Lord. And anytime you see in all caps, I know I've mentioned this several times, anytime the Lord is in all caps, it's actually supposed to be the name of the God of Israel, Yahweh. And in verse 2, he says, the Lord. Verse 3, the Lord. Verse 4, enter his gates. Verse 5, the Lord. What's the basis of our thanksgiving, folks? The Lord, yes. It's the Lord, exactly. Alex Haley, you may have heard of him before. He's the guy that wrote the book Roots. Uh, for those of you who don't know, there was a movie that was put out. You may remember the, the movie. There was a book first. But anyway, he has this unusual picture that hangs in his office. And it's of a turtle that sits on top of a fence post. And so when people come in and they see this picture, they often ask him, what in the world is this for? And this is what he said. He says, every time I write something significant... Every time I read my words and I think that I am wonderful and I begin to feel proud of myself, I look at the turtle on top of that fence post and I remember that he didn't get there of his own. He had help. That's really, folks, a lot of what Psalm 100 is about. It's remembering who we are and how we got here. And so what I would like for us to do over the, the rest of our time is I want to look at five commands Five commands he gives in Psalm 100 about being thankful. So let's start with this one. Command number one, make a joyful noise to the Lord. Now some of you may say shout. The word noise or shout in the Hebrew, it means to uh, proclaim with the force of a trumpet blast. <laughs> in other words, this is not unrestrained. It's not tamed. It's not polite, not unrestrained, it's not restrained. This is a call of praise, and he says we should shout it out. Some of you a moment ago were singing, shout hallelujah, we're going to shout. You may be like, well, you know what, I don't want to be too loud. You know, I don't want this to get crazy in here. What does he say? With a, like a trumpet blast. Give your praise unto God. What has God done for you? How has he given you direction in your life? How has he been a blessing to you? 
Shout his name. Proclaim him before all. There was a missionary who worked in India for several years. Uh, he was actually a medical missionary. And in this particular region of India, um, they had this, this problem with progressive blindness. All the people, they, they were born with perfectly good you know, eyesight, but these people were going blind as they got older. And there was something in the area, weren't real sure what it was, but there was something in the area that was causing these people to have this progressive blindness. Well, this, this medical missionary, he discovered a way to keep them from going blind. He, he discovered a treatment. And these people were so grateful, but he said they never said thank you. But the reason they never said thank you is they didn't have a word for it in their dialect. So what they said was a word that meant, I will tell your name. I will tell your name. And everywhere they went, they would tell the name of this missionary that saved their sight. This is the psalmist. When you realize that God has been good to you, when you realize he has saved you, let it come out from the inside to the outside. Shout the praise unto the Lord from the very depths of your being, the very joy that we have in God. A second command, serve the Lord with gladness. Now notice in verse 2, he doesn't say serve the church with gladness. He doesn't say serve the preacher with gladness. He says serve the Lord now, the word serve there is really interesting. Some of you may be looking at your translations and you say, well, mine doesn't say serve. Mine says worship. And the reason is because the Hebrew word can mean serve or working, or it can also mean worship or honor. The reason that we see some translations say serve the Lord and some say worship the Lord is because we don't have an English word that encompasses everything that this word means in the Hebrew but the Hebrew word, it blurs the lines between serving and worshiping. In other words, every act of worship is an act of service. And every act of service to the Lord is an act of worship. It connects our praise and our lifestyle before God. Paul says, remember this in, in Romans chapter 12, he says we are a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. He says, which is your spiritual worship? And what he's saying here is that your life, it's not just going to a building once a week. He says the very life that you live, is a very, it's an act of worship and how you live your life. Well, what does that look like? Well, I think it would be like getting up in the morning and you fix your heart on Jesus and you, you just you renew this satisfaction that you have in God. And then you go out for your day and you express that satisfaction in God. Not just in words, but also in how you treat others. And how you live your life. 
You remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25? You know, he talked about these people. He says, you know, there was the hungry and you fed them. And there were these people who were thirsty and you gave them drink. And there were people who were homeless and you, you took them in. And you, there were people who were sick and you, and you took care of them or you visited them in prison and you visited. And Jesus said, listen, I know you think you were doing it to them. He said, but actually you're doing it to me. It was a very act of worship towards God in your service to humanity and to others. Here's a third command. Come into his presence with singing. Kind of done a little bit of that today, right? He says we are to approach him. He says come. Those who have come into this covenant relationship with God... We know about Israel, but now he's calling to the nations. Come. He calls to you. If, you. if you're not a child of God, if you're not into this covenant, and you say, I don't even know what that is, that's good because we want to tell you about it. Because it's huge. It's a big thing. It's more than a contract. Especially if you've ever been burned by a contract. This is a covenant with the Almighty God, and he brings us into his family. And we want to tell you about him. Here, here's a third or fourth command, rather. Know that Yahweh is God. Now we notice here in verse 3. This is, verse 3 is the focal point of this Psalm 100. It's actually the middle verse. And remember, when we said, when you see capital L-O-R-D, it is the word Yahweh. It's his name. He tells Moses, you remember this? You go all the way back and he says, listen, here's my name. Here's my, it's a, it's a, it's a big time moment in scripture. And notice what he says here. He says, know that Yahweh is God. Wait a second. I thought God was God. God's not his name. In fact, in America, we don't think about that too much. Especially if you, you've, you've grown up in America your whole life. You don't really think too much about it. But you know what? You walk some of the ruins that I walked and Missy Walk, while we were gone, we go to Olympia. This is the place of the very first Olympics. 700 years before Jesus walked the earth, there, were, there was this that was happening. And when you walk around and you see these ruins, you see temples. There's the Temple of Hera. She's the queen of the Greek gods. You can go to the Temple of Zeus, or what's left of it. <laughs> Nothing like a couple of earthquakes to take care of some temples around there. Makes you wonder, hmm, who sent the earthquakes? But anyway, that's another story. It was one of the, it was one of the, the, the seven wonders of the ancient world. And you walk around, and, and then you find out there were, there were 12 Olympic gods. So you go there and you say, God, which one? They're all called God. You go into Rome, you see the same things. We went to the Pantheon. Anybody been to the Pantheon before? The Pantheon is a former temple to all gods. Now, they don't worship those gods in there. In fact, there were 67 that were represented in the Pantheon. Now, those who believe in the Creator God, that's actually a church now. Or if you walk around, you can see the Temple of Saturn on Palpatine Hill. Or Calpatine. It's one of the teens. 
the temple of Apollo. There's temples everywhere to these gods. The Romans had somewhere between, between 12 and 20 main gods. You go there and you shout, God, which one? What does he say in Psalm 100? Know that Yahweh is God. He's the one true God. And these gods of these other places, they didn't treat the people the way they like to be treated. They were looked down upon by the gods. They were messed with simply because they could mess with them. They would destroy them for things that we would think would be very insignificant. And they would come to know Yahweh. They would come to know the God who, who loved them, a God of covenant. Those who belong to God, he says in verse 3, he says they're like sheep who are watched over by the good shepherd. Boy, you think these psalms link in sometimes? The Lord is my shepherd. Oh, we're going to have hard times, but he will lead me beside the still waters. He will restore my soul. Even if I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, the greatest fear of humanity, I will fear no evil. Because the shepherd's staff and rod is there to comfort me. Know that Yahweh is God. Know who he is. That's why we make a joyful noise to the Lord. That's why we worship him with gladness. That's why we come before his presence with singing. But here's the fifth command. Give thanks. He just puts it out there in verse 4 and 5 a couple of different times. And this is the language here in verses 4 and 5. It's temple language. If you notice, come into the presence of the Lord, into the gates, right? And know what he says? He says, enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Okay, that doesn't mean very much to us. We don't have the, the temple that's hanging around here. Some of you got a pretty good idea, kind of what it looks like, and what he's calling them to. And remember who he's talking to in the very first verse. He's not just talking to Israel. He says all the earth, every generation. He says, come on into my gates. Now here's the, the Gentile courtyards. That's as far as they could go. But then what does he say? Enter his courts. Wait a second. That's where Israel is allowed to go. And he says, come and join the nation's gods. As we said, they were not loving and kind and good. But they have come to know, what does he say there? The steadfast love, the hesed of God. He's always faithful to his covenant promises, which is extended to all the nations. And I want you to just think about for a moment how much more this means to us. In fact, before we leave there, we know when Jesus died on the cross, what happened in the temple? There was a big curtain between the holy place and the most holy place, and it's ripped from top to bottom. Not even Israel was allowed in there. 
And now because of the death of Jesus Christ, it's been opened unto us. We can come into the presence of God because we have been washed and we have been made clean by the blood of Christ. And it's not even so much as we come into His presence. But we learn that we become the temple. And His presence dwells in us through His Holy Spirit. Make a joyful noise to the Lord. Serve. Worship Him with gladness. Come into His presence with singing. Enter His presence with thanksgiving and praise. Someone has said there's two kinds of worshipers. There's the flatlanders and the highlanders. And the flatlanders, they live in a two-dimensional world. They're well-versed in the faith. They know the lay of the land. They know the routine, and they love it. The only problem is they're living in the horizontal realm. But highlanders, highlanders are simply flatlanders who have discovered worship. And they are constantly pushing up, up, up to experience God. What a privilege privilege we have been afforded in order to have an audience with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Folks, may we never take that for granted. No matter how bad our life may seem, Jesus says, I'm coming. No matter how difficulty what kind of difficulties you may be going through right now. He says, he says, I give you my people to love you and to care for you and to share. And he says to those of you where everything's going great, just let it out in thanksgiving to God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your blessings. We thank you, Father, for the rain over our heads right now. We're thankful, Father, for one, for the rain that you have provided for the earth and also the fact that we're in a place where we're all dry and we're okay. Father, we pray for those who are not a part of this church and they're out in our community and they don't know of your goodness Father, help them see your goodness through us. May we every day go out in worship and service to you. Father, forgive us of those times that we take for granted for what we have. Forgive us those times that we become negative when we have so much positive in our lives. And Father, I just pray this week that somehow, some way, that this could be the healing of our nation that somehow, some way, all sides will realize just how blessed we are. And we pray for the leaders in our country. On every level, we pray, Father, that they would seek you. We pray, Father, that they would seek your guidance and your direction. But, Father, in those times when they do not, we're just thankful for your son, Jesus, 
who is our king, who is a part of the king of this great kingdom of yours. Father, thank you. And Father, we just come to you in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, in whom we praise and we worship this day, and we say, Amen.